The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open it up to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. Today, I want to talk to you. Uh, we, got a stu- we still got a couple weeks until we begin our, our next series. So I've got another standalone message for you today. And today, I want to talk to you about marriage. Marriage. Yay, yeah. It's going to be good. And uh, let me just say this as I jump into this this morning. There may be some of you in here today and you were not married. Maybe some of you today are divorced. Uh, maybe some of you are, are a little younger. You're a teenager. You're not quite in that place in life yet. And so the tendency could be for you to kind of go, well, you know, someday this will apply to me. But right now I can just check out and look at my Instagram feed for the rest of the service. Don't do that, okay? This is a great time for you to be hearing this message because I really believe today that, that God wants to show you some things about marriage, about the purpose of marriage, about how we walk in godly marriage the way he designed us to, that will help you to step into that when that day comes in, in a powerful, powerful way. And here's the other disclaimer. If you are married this morning, here's how I want you to listen to this message. It's about you, okay? Don't be listening to this message today thinking, man, I hope my wife is listening to this right now. Get, you know, maybe doing a little bit of this. Don't do that, okay? Not a good idea. Please listen to this from the perspective of what can I do to improve in marriage? How can I be better for my spouse and for God when it comes to marriage? All right? Sound good? All right, so Matthew chapter 19, what we're about to read here uh, is, I think, one of the most important verses in Scripture on marriage. And the reason why is because this is Jesus talking about marriage here. And so Jesus, you know, he's the son of God, right? You guys know that, right? Yeah, okay. So because he's the son of God, he can give us insight into the purpose of marriage and and how to walk in marriage like no one else could. So let's look at what Jesus has to say here. Matthew chapter 19, starting verse 3. It says, The Pharisees also came to him, testing him and saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And he answering and said to them, have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? Verse five, and said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined. Notice that word joined to his wife and the two shall become one. Everybody say two. Two. Now say one. one. Two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, no longer two, but one flesh. Okay, so, so Jesus gives us this idea here in marriage that when two people come together in marriage and become a husband and a wife, that they are no longer two, but they become one. Now, here's a question for you. Um, Did Jesus have a a tendency to exaggerate when he was teaching? No, he didn't. Did he have a tendency to embellish the truth a little bit or tell little white lies when he was teaching things? Is that the nature of Jesus? No, it's not. So, So if that's true, then we have to read this from a very real perspective. And, and realize that what he's saying here is that, is that two people become one. And what God wants to do in marriage is he wants to, to bring you together in the union of your marriage so that you become one in marriage. That's what I want you to see today is how, how do we become one in marriage? One in marriage in all three aspects of who we are, spirit, soul, and body. How do we step into marriage and become one with our spouse in marriage? It goes on to say this. It says, therefore, notice these words, what God has joined together... Let no man separate. That word joined there uh, literally means what he's glued together. 
Okay, so Jesus tells us here that when two people, a husband and a wife, come together in marriage, in holy matrimony, that God joins them together, that they are glued together in a powerful way. Now, one of the things I want to show you this morning is I want to do some marriage math equations for you this morning, okay? I'm a big, uh, growing up in school, I did really good in math. That was the only subject I did good in, but I did pretty good in math. So I've always kind of thought mathematically, I like math. So I want to, I want to talk about this from a mathematical perspective today. So girls, hopefully you can stay with me today and, and everyone can stay with me today. I, I think I just totally alienated the girls this morning, but whatever. All right, so here's the first, here's the first marriage math equation. We're walking in unity, walking in one. Here we go. First marriage math equation. Can you guys give it to me? Okay, one plus one equals God. Okay, this is marriage math equations. So that was a girl that yelled that out wrong too. <laughs> one plus one equals God. Now, what does that mean? It means one husband plus one wife equals God. Now, hear me when I say that. I'm not saying that when you get married that you become a divine being in your marriage, okay? That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that one husband plus one wife is supposed to equal the image of God in this world. That's what God had planned through the marriage, that marriage would be in this world a a relationship that, that people could look at and they could see the image of God at work, at display in this in this world. Let me show you this. Genesis chapter 1. If you got your Bible, flip over there. Look at this with me. Genesis chapter 1. God kind of unpacks the beginning, how he created uh, man and woman, husband and wife. How he unpacks this, and we can see in how he created them what the purpose for them was, and, and what they were created from helps us understand what they were created to be, okay? Then God said, this is verse 26, let us, notice that word, us, or let us make man in our image, Okay, so notice at the very beginning, God says, let us make man in our image. Now, he didn't say, let me make man in my image. He said, let us. Now, so we understand, hopefully you understand this. If you're new to church, uh, God is, is three persons, three gods in one. There, he's, he's what's called the Trinity, what's called the Godhead. They are three distinct persons, but they function as one. They are one. They're unified in one, okay? So when God is talking here and saying, let us make man in our image, he's talking as the Father, he's talking to the Son, Jesus, and he's talking to the Holy Spirit. And he's talking about, we are going to make mankind in the image, because that word man there is not, it doesn't mean male, it means mankind. We're going to make mankind in the image of us as the Trinity, all right? And so you know you are spirit, soul, and body, but then it goes a little bit further than that. It says, according to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over the cattle and over every Uh, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man, or mankind, in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, again, mankind. Now look at this, male and female, he created them. So God created you in the image of God, so you are three persons in one, spirit, soul, and body, just like Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But then he designed your marriage to be another image male and female of the image of God. So that you, listen, when God, when God wanted to make himself on display in this earth, he chose to make himself on display through the marriage relationship, through male and female. After, after, Ad, after Eve is created, pulled from the rib of Adam, and he sees her for the first time, he says, he says this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. He makes this vow in that moment to her. 
And that, in that moment, they, are, they become one. They're unified in this marriage relationship. That's the first marriage that ever took place in Scripture. So listen closely. God wants your marriage to be an example to this world of the image of God in this world. And listen, it's that reason right there that marriage is under an attack the way it is today. See, the devil hates the image of God. The devil hates God. And so he will do anything he can to destroy and steal away the image of God from this earth. And you see such a huge attack on the God-ordained, God-designed image of of the marriage relationship. And and this is one of the foundational institutions that God created when he created the the world. And so because of that, because it's such an important foundational institution, it's one of the institutions that everything hinges on. And if marriage falls apart... Uh, the world begins to fall apart. Listen, if the marriages of our church begin to fall apart, this church falls apart. If your marriage begins to fall apart, listen, your world is going to fall apart. And the enemy knows this. And so the devil is working hard, strategically working hard to to destroy your marriage. And, And this is how the devil works. He divides and he conquers. He divides and he conquers. And and, and what he wants to do is he wants to get in between you and your spouse and he wants to divide you. He wants to separate you. And then here's what he does. He begins to counsel you. When he gets you alone, he begins to counsel you. In fact, one of the words for devil in scripture is the word diabolos. And that word diabolos means that he's a slanderer. And so one of the ways he attacks marriage is he divides, he conquers. He finds things to get you aggravated with your spouse about, to get you angry about, to get you frustrated about. And then he gets you to go in your own little direction. And once he gets you going in your own direction, he comes in, he begins to talk to you and counsel you and slander your spouse against you and begins to tell you things about your spouse and read into things they said, things that they did, looks that they gave you. And then begins to counsel you. You know what? I think you married the wrong person. That's not your soulmate. There's got to be someone else out there for you. Your soulmate's out there. And begins to divide you. And what does he do? He divides and he conquers. And we see this in Scripture. That when the enemy inserted himself into that first marriage relationship. Listen, Adam and Eve are, are set in this perfect place. They have a perfect relationship with God. And then in the next verse, after all that's set in place, the next verse, Genesis 3.1, it says, Now the serpent, the serpent was more cunning. We see him immediately coming in with a strategy to begin to destroy the image of God, to begin to destroy the things that God's created, to cause chaos. And he comes in and he brings sin into the picture and everything falls apart. Listen, you look the most like God in the marriage relationship. You look the most like God, and so the enemy's going to attack that. One husband plus one wife equals the image of God. So, okay, so let's take this a step further. Because in order for us to really represent the image of God, it can't just be a husband and a wife. Because remember, God is three persons in one. So there has to be a third person in our relationship in order for us to really be in marriage the image of God in this world. So what does that mean? Well, here's the next marriage math equation. One plus one plus one equals one. Let me break it down for you. One husband plus one wife plus one God, and that is the God, not just any God, equals one, equals unity in marriage. If we're going to have the kind of marriage that we need to have, listen, God has to be in our marriage. He has to be involved in our marriage. He has to be, we have to be actively pursuing him in our marriage if we want to have the kind of marriage God's called us to be. Okay, so let me break this down for you even further. All right, you are spirit, soul, and body. You are a spirit. 
you have a soul, which is your, your mind, your will, and your emotions, and then you have a physical body that you, you live in while you're here on this earth. And God wants to unite all three of those aspects of you in marriage, okay? So here's what happens. The day that you get married and you stand before God and man and you make those vows, in that moment, as you make those vows, you become one, you become unified. God joins you together with your spouse, spirit to spirit, heart to heart. And in, and in that moment, instead of being an individual, you become, uh, you become a, a, a married couple together. And that's how God sees you from that moment forward. Now, so God unifies you spirit to spirit. That's one part of you. Now, what about the physical? Well, God designed it where physically when you get married and then you go have sex with your, with your spouse, that in that moment you are further uh, uniting with this person that you've married uh, as one. And sex is a powerful thing. Amen? Amen. <laughs> And, and so that's why we say here at New Song Church, we want the married couples of our church having really good sex, having lots of sex. Why? Because when you have sex together, it further unites you. There is something powerful that happens. The way God designed you, when you have sex, it's a powerful thing that unites you spirit to spirit and soul to soul. And, here's the, that, and this is why promiscuous sex is so dangerous. Because there's these things called soul ties that take place when we just think we're going out there and we're just kind of living, you know, having these one night stands. Listen, every time that that's happening, there's a deposit being made. There's a soul tie being made. And literally people who are having sex just willy-nilly all the time with whoever and whatever are literally fractioning themselves away and cutting themselves up and dividing themselves among all these different people. And so it's, it's hurting you. What God designed to be something that strengthens you in marriage is, is pulling you apart when it's not done the right way. But when it's done right, it, it's a powerful thing for your marriage. So, so we're united in spirit when we make our vows. We're united in our flesh when we have sex with our, with our spouse. But what about our soul? How do, we, how do we come together with our soul? Well, we do that. That's something that we walk out here on this earth day in and day out with the help of God. We partner with God and with our spouse to become unified, to become one in life, in marriage. And this is the part that a lot of us are clueless on. And I'm not trying to be mean to you. It's just that in the world we live in today, we don't have a lot of good models for this. And so we go into marriage, a lot of us go into marriage, and we have no idea what we're really doing. And, and we already have this selfish nature in ourselves. And so we go into marriage with this way of thinking, with this selfish nature, and, and we end up just getting ourselves into a huge mess. You know, there's an old joke that goes um, that two people, when they get married, they become one. And the question is, which one, right? Because that's what happens. You get married and you come together with this other person and then you begin, that's when the fighting starts of, of you know, what's this gonna look like? Who's gonna win? Who's, whose personality is gonna be the dominant personality in this, in this marriage? Who's, who's going to control what? Who's, uh, whose culture, whose values, whose way of thinking is gonna be the, the prominent thinking within the home? And we begin to, to kind of separate and pull apart because of this, because we're trying to get our way. So going back to it, one plus one plus one equals God. So going back to the question, um, if we're supposed to become one, which one is it? I'll tell you which one. It's God. That's the one in our marriage that, we're both, that we both need to be pursuing to let their way be the winning and dominant force within the marriage is God, his personality. Um, so, so how do we do this? Well, first of all, you have to understand this. God has to be added to the equation in your marriage. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't come automatically. 
You have to invite him in. If you want God in your marriage math equation, you have to add him. You have to pursue him. Uh, The Bible says this in Revelation 3, verse 20. This is God talking, and God's giving us a glimpse here of how how he functions with us in relationship. He says this, Behold I, this is God talking, Behold I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him. That's, a, that's an amazing promise right there. And he with me. Last night, uh, David Price is here with us this morning. I've known him for, for years. We went out to dinner with him last night, and we, we sat down, and we dined together, and we talked. And he shared stuff with me, and I shared stuff with him, and we had this, this relationship. Listen, that's the kind of relationship God wants to have with you. But in order for you to have that kind of relationship, it says, it says he's waiting. He's standing at the door knocking but he's waiting for us to open the door and invite him in and let him in. And if we'll invite him in, he'll come in. But he has to be invited in. And understand this, if you're not inviting him in, if you're not adding him to your marriage math equations, listen, you are subtracting him. If you're not actively pursuing having him in your marriage, then by default, he's being subtracted from your marriage. And, and, and when he's gone, listen, there's someone else that gets added into your marriage. Let me, let me give you another marriage math equation this morning, all right? Go ahead and put that up, guys. One plus one plus one minus one equals zero. Everybody say zero. zero. Let's break this down. One husband plus one wife plus one devil minus one God equals zero. Equals your marriage is worth nothing. And this is what we see in Scripture. After Adam and Eve allow the enemy to come into their marriage math equation and they begin to pull away from God, what happens They sin, their marriage falls apart, and the world around them falls apart. And the devil knows this. And so he's working to get in between you and God. And listen, you need to understand this about the devil. He's not waiting for you to add him to your relationship. He's looking for an opportunity to invade your relationship. The Bible says this about the devil in 1 Peter 5 It says, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. In other words, he's looking. He's, he's being strategic. He's being sneaky. He's looking for an opportunity to get in between you and your spouse, to divide you, to conquer you, to steal, to kill, and to destroy you. And if you're not adding God, listen, by default, you're adding Satan. Let me, let me tell you something this morning. There is always a third party at work in your marriage. You can write that down this morning. It's never just you and your spouse. There's always a third party at work in your marriage. It can either be God who you invite in, or it can be the devil who comes in, invades by default, just comes in and, and steals and kills and destroys. So who's it going to be? Who are you going to allow in? Now here's the great thing about God. When you add God to your marriage math equation, He causes the enemy to not be able to come into your marriage math equation. Once you add God, his presence in your marriage subtracts the enemy from your marriage. See, see, here's what happens. Okay, the enemy's looking for someone he can steal, kill, and destroy, right? But when he sees a a couple that is actively pursuing God in their marriage, is actively inviting God into their marriage, and, and asking him, and welcoming him, and seeking him, here's what the devil sees. He sees what the world sees. He sees the image of God in marriage. And he sees the image of something that he cannot hurt. Satan can't hurt God. He sees something that he has no right to come against. He has no claim. And listen, he moves away and finds someone else that he can. 
So if we want to have the kind of marriage God's called us to, we got to add God to our marriage math equation. We have to bring him in. So how do we do that? You guys get anything out of this this morning? Okay, so how do we do that? Let's talk about that. How do we invite God into our marriage? How do we become one? How do we become the image of God in this earth, in our marriage, the way God's designed us to? Three mentalities I think we need to have, three mindsets that we need to have if we're gonna do this. Here's the first one. If you wanna become one in marriage, here's number one, write this down, become one in God's purpose. You need to become one in God's purpose. Now, let me say it like this. Let me give you a little principle to, to start off here. You can only stay happily married if the reason you're married is greater than the stresses against your marriage. I'll say that again. You can only stay happily married if the reason that you're married, if the purpose for your marriage is greater than the stresses that are coming against your marriage. Listen, you're always going to have stresses in your marriage. I mean, it's going to happen. There's going to be things in your marriage that cause you to feel stress, physical issues that happen, uh, relationship issues that take place with, with in-laws, with our kids, with each other, because we're different people. God brings different people together. There's going to be stresses that we have. And if, if the purpose for your marriage is not stronger than the stresses coming against your marriage, then you're not going to be happily married. So, so here's the question. What's the purpose of your marriage? You ever thought of that before? Why am I married? What's the reason? What's the goal in this whole thing? You know, we all get married for, for lots of reasons and lots of good reasons, you know? We get married because we want to share a life with somebody else. It's a good reason to get married, right? We, we get married because we want to start a family. We want to begin a family. We want to be fruitful and multiply and, you know, and do the things that come along with that. That's a, that's a good reason to get married. We, we want to get married because we want to share financially, you know, our life with somebody else and, and, and do some, have some financial goals for, for our life. That, that's all well and good. But listen, if, if the reason for your marriage is not greater than the stresses of your marriage, then your marriage is going to fold under those reasons. So let's look at those reasons a little bit, okay? You want to share a life with someone. Well, what, if, what if you don't anymore? What if you get married and all of a sudden you begin to see this person a different way and maybe they get a little mean and a little rude and a little domineering and, and they don't want to share their life with you anymore and uh, it ain't going well and now you, you, kinda, you don't really want to share your life in, with them and, and now the re, one of the reasons you got married is becoming a stress that you're under, you get married because you want to start a family, you want to build a family. Okay, well, what if, what if there's stresses involved with that? What if, you can't, what if you're having a hard time conceiving a child? What if you, you have a child and there's, there's problems? What if you have a child that has a learning disability? What if your, your children grow up and they, and they begin to move away from God and move away from you and you've got issues with kids? What, what, what happens then? You want to you wanna build a life financially together. What happens when you're under financial stress? What happens when, when one of you makes a really bad financial decision that affects, that affects you all? What happens if you lose your job? See, what happens is these stresses, the things that we once were, were brought us together in marriage, if we're not careful, they become the things that once we get married, they become the stresses of our marriage that begin to, to divide us. In fact, statistics tell us that the top three reasons people get married are also the top three reasons that people get a divorce. Isn't that crazy? So what brings us together becomes the stress that then divides us and pushes us apart. So... What's the answer here? Well, the answer is we have to have a purpose that's greater than the stresses of our life. And what is the only purpose that exists that is greater than any stress that we're ever going to have? That is the purpose of God. Amen. The purpose of God. See, the purpose of your marriage is to bring glory to God. 
is to glorify God through you, in you, and everything you do. It's to bring praise and glory to God in this world, to be a picture and, and represent to this world what God is. So here's what that looks like practically, all right? Here, here's the mentality we have to take when it comes to marriage. My marriage's purpose is not about bringing gratification to myself. It's about bringing glory to God. The purpose of marriage is glory to God, not gratification to myself. I remember when we, me and first, Sarah first got married, uh, we, uh, that was the purpose of, of marriage for me. Like I, I got married to her because I liked the way Sarah made me feel. I liked the way she looked. It just, it, she just made me feel a lot better. But, but today it's different. And listen, when we first got married, our marriage was a mess. Okay, so I don't know where you may be today in marriage or where you may be in relationship today, but I, I'm telling you, we, if, if God could do what he did with us, he could do something with you today. Because our marriage at the beginning was an absolute mess. And, and a lot of it was my fault. I was a jerk, I was rude, I was selfish, I was arrogant, I was mean, and, and I had a sin that was dominating my life. I was addicted to pornography. And when Sarah found this out, she was done. <laughs> we, we were two years into our marriage and, and she left me. And if not for the grace of God and the forgiveness of God, and listen, and the grace and forgiveness of her, I was thinking about that this week, you know, we talk about if not for the grace of God. Well, the grace of God is great. Don't, don't get me wrong. I love the grace of God. I'm grateful for the grace and forgiveness of God, but I'm also grateful for the grace and forgiveness of my wife because God's grace and forgiveness is always available, and that's good news for every one of us, but the grace and forgiveness of other people is, is dependent upon their willingness to participate in that. And she was willing to love me and forgive me and show me grace when I didn't deserve it, people. And so I'm forever grateful for her. And because of her, and because we were willing to, to make the purpose of our life God's purpose, God turned our marriage around. And it's good today. So good today. I love my marriage. We have a great marriage. It's not perfect, because no one's is. But man, we are, we are really a lot further along today than we were 15 years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago, a year ago, a month ago. We continue to grow in our marriage because the purpose of our marriage is God. And here's the great news about God. When God is the purpose of your marriage, he becomes the one you can turn to when the other purposes of your marriage are falling apart. And that's really good news for you today. See, he's the only purpose that can resurrect all the other purposes in your marriage. He can heal your body. He, he can heal relational wounds. He can turn children who've turned away from God back to you and back to him. If, if we'll surrender to him and make his purpose our purpose, he can turn everything around. So the first thing we do is we become one in the purpose of God. Our purpose is to glorify God with our marriage, to bring praise and honor to God in our marriage and through our marriage to the world around us. Here's number two. We become one in God's will. We become one in God's will. Um, show of hands. How many of you are married to someone who is opinionated? Lift your hands up, people. Come on. Don't be shy. If the person you're married to has an opinion, raise up your hand right now. Those of you who don't have your hands up are liars. If you're married, you are lying. Because we all have strong opinions. I remember when me and Sarah got married, uh, I was always pretty opinionated. And she just kind of, it seems like when we were dating and stuff, she's pretty cool about going with the flow. and was just. But then we got married and all of a sudden it was like she had an opinion. And I was like, girl? What? I thought I was your hero, you know? And uh, turns out I wasn't. And she started having an opinion, and it was a pretty strong opinion, right? 
And uh, yeah, it got, it got interesting. And so we, we had to work through that. But listen, that's how God makes us. He makes us all with an opinion. He gives us an opinion. So how do we come together in marriage when we have these opinions? And many times these opinions can, can differ because our personalities are different, because God brings you know, opposites together many times. So how do we come together in unity in marriage when we have these different, different opinions? Well, here's how we, we do it. We become one in God's will. See, in, in my marriage with Sarah, I'm not the boss, and she's not the boss. Jesus Christ is the boss. And our purpose, the purpose of, or my will in our marriage is not my will. It's not my will, but his be done, right? I'm not trying to get her, I'm not trying to beat her down into doing things the way I think they should be done. We are both submitted to the will of God and working towards the will of God being the will in our marriage, working towards unity under the authority of the will of God in our life. It's not about what I want. It's not about me getting my way. It's not about her getting our way. It's about us getting God's way. That's what we desire in our marriage. That's, that's what we're all shooting for. And listen, it's so much easier to come together in marriage, to come together in agreement when, when the will of our marriage is greater than our own will. When the will of our marriage is God's will. Because listen, God's will 100% of the time will always lead you to good things. God has a will for your marriage. God has a will for your life. And it's a perfect will. And if we can follow his will and get in tune with his will and walk in step with his will, it will always lead us to the promised lands that he has for us. It will always lead us to the good things that he has for us. Because see, understand this about you, understand this about me, about every one of us. We are limited in our perspective. We are limited in what we understand and what we see, but God sees everything, and he sees it perfectly. He sees the past, the present, and the future all perfectly, and he knows exactly what you need to do to get you where he wants to get you, which is a perfect place. So if we can find a way to come in, t- to come in step with his will, it's always going to lead us to good things. And here's another great thing about the will of God. God's will is a win-win will. God's will with God's will, everybody wins. When I'm following the will of God, I don't win and I don't lose. When I'm following the will of God, Sarah doesn't win and Sarah doesn't lose. We both win every time when we're following the will of God. So here's what this looks like. How do we walk this out practically in our marriage? How do we, we, we step into the will of God in our marriage, okay? If we're making a decision, here's what we do. If me and Sarah are making a decision, here's the steps that we take. First of all, we come together and we talk about it and we pray about it. And we consult the word of God. Listen, the word of God is the will of God, right? The word of God is our authority here on earth. So we look at what the word of God has to say. Does the word of God speak to whatever decision, whatever thing it is that we're, that we're, we're fighting about, whatever thing it is that we're trying to figure out, whatever decision is in front of us, what does the word of God say? We come together, we pray, we look at what, we consult the word of God, and then we pray and we talk about it, and we talk until we come to a place of agreement, a place of peace, and then we become one in that will. We follow and we seek the will of God and then we become one under his will. And listen, if we'll do this, we won't be divided. We won't be going in wrong directions. See, if I'm pursuing my will, that's gonna pull me away. If she's pursuing her will, that's gonna pull her her away. But God's will brings us together. God's will always brings us together. And, And here's the thing about God's will. When we're really submitted to God's will and following his will, the changes that need to take place to make you a better spouse are gonna take place. Because if you're submitted to God's will and God says, hey, you need to change your way of thinking. You need to do this a little bit different. I can't tell you how many times God has corrected me when it comes to my wife. I go to him griping, you know, about something, frustrated about something. And I've noticed something about God. He loves Sarah, like big time. 
And so I'll go griping to him about her, but listen, he'll never talk about her behind her back. He doesn't. He always, when I go griping, he always shows me something about me that needs to change. And so what do I do? I, I come under the authority of God. I come under his will, and I make the changes necessary. If I need to repent, I repent. If I need to change something, I change something. This is what God wants to do in your life. He wants you to fall into his will, under his will. So we, but we have to make a choice in that. We become one in God's will. Here's the third one. A third way we become one in marriage. We become one in God's love. Everybody say love. If you're sitting by your spouse right now, turn to them, look them in the eyes and say love. Love. We become one in God's love. <laughs> Is that weird for anybody? Okay. Galatians 5 tells us that the fruit of the Spirit... Now, this is the fruit that God produces in our life, that the Spirit of God wants to produce in our life. The first thing listed is love. Uh, in the Bible, love, there's a lot of different words, Hebrew, Greek words that are used for the word love. Uh, but in this occasion, in the fruit of the Spirit, it's talking about uh, agape love. You've probably heard of that before if you've been in church any amount of time, agape love. Now, here's the thing about agape love. Agape love is the only instance where love is mentioned where it's not based or rooted in some form of an emotion. Because emotions are fickle. And in marriage, if your love is based on emotion, uh, it means you can fall out of love. If you're basing your marriage on your, your source of love and it's based on your emotion, you're, you can have a hard time with, with love. Agape is the only love that does not depend upon your emotions. If, you're, if the emotions aren't there, think about it this way, if the emotions aren't there, then the love is not there. And God wants to, us to rise above that. Um, and, and so maybe you've heard people say stuff like, you know, they, they're not married to someone anymore because they say, well, we're out of love. Listen, that really is true. Because if your source of love is just you, realize this, you can run out of love. Your love is limited. Your love has limitations. Your love can't always walk through everything like it's supposed to. But the love of God can we can be sourced, the fruit of the Spirit. What God wants to produce in our life is a, is a love that's beyond our emotions, a powerful love that rises above circumstances that we can walk in, that, that helps us to, to love people when they're unlovable, when things are a mess, when things are ugly. And God wants to source that love to you. It's available to you. So, so how do we, we make God the source of our love? Okay, from a practical pers perspective, how do we do it? Well, we have to invite God in and ask him to fill us with his love. I think one of the greatest things that I've learned to do for my marriage, one of the greatest things that my wife Sarah does for our marriage is that every day we get up and we go our separate ways and we have a quiet time with God. And we, we get, we, we go before the Lord and we spend some time in his word. We spend some time in his presence we spend some time asking him to anoint us and to fill us up for the day. We bring him our problems. We bring him our questions. We bring him our frustrations. And we allow his presence and his anointing to fill us up. And, and, and I go to God and I say, God, I need you today. The, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. I, I can't do that on my own. It's not natural. That's not natural for me. I, I'm limited in those things on my own. But God, you can source those things to me. So I ask you today to give me the love that I need. Help me to love Sarah today like she needs to be loved. Help me to love my kids today the way they need to be loved. Help me to love the church the way I, that they need to be loved. Realize the fruit of the Spirit is, is the personality of Jesus Christ. That's a, that's a personality that Jesus had when he walked on this earth. He was perfect. 
in those things. And we can have those things. All we have to do is ask. God is standing at the door. He's, at, he's waiting for you to invite him in. He wants to be added to your marriage math equation, but you have to add him. You can love your spouse with a perfect love if your love is sourced through the Holy Spirit. Let me say this. If you're taking notes, write this down. We don't love each other out of the capacity of our emotions. We love each other out of the capacity of God's Spirit. I'll say it again. We don't love each other out of the capacity of our emotions. We love each other out of the capacity of God's Spirit. And here's the deal. God's Spirit is beyond capacity. You can have an endless, boundless love if you're connected to the Holy Spirit, if you're connected to God. I don't know where you are today. I don't know where you find yourself today in marriage. But God wants to pick you up wherever you are today. He wants to love you with his perfect love. And, and maybe your marriage is a mess, but listen, I'm telling you, if you only knew how bad our marriage relationship was at one point, I know we're, no matter where you are, no matter how bad things may be, no matter what hurts you may be dealing with, God can resurrect your marriage because he's a God of glorious resurrection. And if you'll partner with him, if you'll invite him in, if you'll start, listen, just start. Not everything's gonna change overnight, but you just start today. And you start by just saying, God, I want you in my marriage. I wanna add you to my marriage math equation. And he'll come in and he'll begin to help unify you. He'll help you become one. He'll correct you where you need correction. He'll guide you. He'll give you wisdom. He'll give you direction. He'll minister to you. He'll help you to have the kind of love you can have. Listen, you can, you can have a great marriage if your marriage is, is, is based on the purposes of God, if your marriage is functioning for the will of God, and if your marriage is sourced by the love of God. You can have a great marriage today. And every one of you in here can have that. All it is is one plus one plus one equals one. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord, we love you this morning. We're grateful for who you are. Thank you, Jesus. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you today in this merit, in this message of marriage? Maybe, yeah, maybe that's it. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you today in your marriage? I mean, if you're new to, to this church, let me say it this way. What do you feel like God may be saying to you today? Or maybe you're completely new to this thing called church. What are, you, what are you thinking right now? I believe God wants us to have strong marriages in this church because I believe God wants to do great things with this church. But in order for him to do it, we, we need to partner with him. And maybe you're here today and you, you recognize that you haven't been necessarily doing things God's way. Listen, God's not mad at you. He just wants to be invited in. He's just standing at the door. And today you can invite him in. And you can say, God, we want you more. I've been trying to do, we've been trying to do this with just the two of us. We want to add you. We want you to be the third influence in our marriage, not the enemy, not anything else. We want it to be you. I, I don't want my marriage to be about my will. I want it to be about your will, God. I don't want my marriage to be about my purposes. I want it to be about your purpose, God. Forgive me and help me. That's you today. Just, just take a moment. Just you right there. Just ask the Lord. Just say, Father, forgive me. I'm sorry. And then make the choice today. To be a doer of the word. You've heard the word today. Be a doer of it. I'm going to do this. We're going to change. And I believe God's going to do some amazing things in your marriage. Lord, I thank you for the, the marriages in this church. I thank you for the marriages that exist currently. I thank you for the marriages that will exist in the future. I thank you for everyone here. I pray that this word that's being spoken into the air is not just finding a place in ears, but it's finding a place in hearts. 
Uh, Holy Spirit, you're sealing this word in our hearts today. And I pray that, Lord, that you'd remind us of these things in the days ahead. In those moments where we're frustrated, in those moments where we're under stresses, that, Lord, you would remind us of these things and help us to walk in unity with our spouse so we can be your image in this world. We can make a difference in this world. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.